Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Good to be here tonight. It's always good to be in church. I'm in a lot of services and um, I can't think of a better place to be than worshiping uh, with my friends and family at Bethel Austin. Amen. So good to be here. So good to have Jeff here. Jeff and I have known each other like 30 30 years, 25. You lose count at some point. We've known each other a long time. He's a real father in the Lord. and, And Jeff has just been going for God for so long. And we've had a lot of encounters together And uh, I'm glad we're going to have another one together tonight. Amen. Amen. So the title, you know, I like my titles and I really, I like this title. All right. So this title might upset a few people. Uh, We're not on YouTube tonight, so I guess I'll be okay. But uh, yeah, we may put it there. This will be, so we do have uh, uh, these Saturday nights. So you guys know it goes on Spotify, it goes on iTunes and uh, also the Android po- podcast app. So it does go out there. So if you want to share this with your friends, you can. But it's called Heavenly Encounters, Portals, Gateways, and Trances. <clears throat> it's probably been a while. <laughs> All right. Probably been a while since you've, uh, you can stay there, Dave, I think. But I may bring Dave, I may bring Dave up on the keyboard in a little bit. Um, but probably hadn't talked about trances like I'm about to talk about them in a while. But, uh, but this, it's going to be powerful. Uh, you know, if you, if you took a person, you put them in a room, they had never heard of Jesus, they had never heard of Christians, they had never heard of the Bible, just nothing, blank slate. You put them in a room and you tell them, all right, I want you to read this book. I want you to read the Bible. Maybe let's specifically talk, give you the New Testament. I want you to read it. Um, I wonder what kind of conclusions uh, that they would come to. I wonder if they would uh, come to the conclusion that God is a supernatural God and that the church is to be a supernatural church. Now, I'm talking about taking all commentary out over the last few thousand years and you just put them in that room with that book. I wonder what would happen in their life. No filters, no religious filters, no church filters, nothing put on it to try to explain away the supernatural. I think they would come to the conclusion that God is a supernatural God and the church is to be a supernatural church. Amen. And so I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. You know, there's a, uh, there's, there is, you know, a doctrine in the church called uh, wide and it's pretty spread out there. It's called cessation. And that doctrine is basically that when the original apostles died, that the supernatural died with them that the gifts died with them. And um, it's, it's something that largely influences the church today. And uh, you can go back in history and you can see where that kind of really became a doctrine. You can go back where, with uh, you know, Luther and Calvin and those reformists. They did a lot of great things, but there's some things that weren't so great. In other, and to, to prove their arguments that the Pope couldn't write scripture, which we believe, no, the Pope... Was, was not an apostolic that could write scripture in the 1600s and um, that everything that he said was not just canonized as scripture. And so to kind of go against that, which wasn't like a bad thing, they had to begin to take away the fact that the Pope could do 
uh, miraculous because that's where they said his authority came from. But they kind of went after all miraculous and they kind of, they, they began to develop doctrines around that, that, that passed away with the original apostles. And that kind of took root in the church and it spread. And today we have that same thing, but it's not scripturally based. So although they did a lot of good things and although maybe their intent was good and what they were trying to accomplish, it created something uh, today uh, called the argument of silence. And some of that argument was, okay, I haven't seen miracles, so miracles must, must not be real. It's kind of that whole thing of, you know, if a tree fell in the woods and nobody heard it, did the tree fall or did it not? Well, that's a ridiculous argument. Of course it fell. Whether anybody knew the tree fell or not, it happened. And so it would, it would go something like this. Um, we're no longer seeing the Holy Spirit's power. Um, so the Holy Spirit is no longer doing this. And so then we need to find a reason for that. And it was, okay, when the apostles died, that died with them. And the only reason that was there was to validate their ability or their authority to write scripture. But we don't see that anywhere in the Bible. And, the, and then a scripture. So then, okay, well, to defend that, we've got to have a scripture. And so the scripture that go, usually is brought up there is 1 Corinthians 13, 10. Um, when the perfect came, that was done away with. I, won't go in, I don't want to go into all of that. But you have to really, really stretch that scripture out to get to that place. Um, and so there's really no scriptural basis that the supernatural has stopped. In fact, when I read the Bible, I see it as a manual for the supernatural. Amen. And how to encounter God. And so there's this religious box that's been put on the church. But you know what? God wants to break the box. I grew up, I grew up in a cessation culture. We didn't believe in the gifts of the spirit. We didn't believe the Holy Spirit was moving. And you know what happened to us? bunch of us were together in a room and God was doing this back in the 80s and the Holy Spirit fell. And so we, we didn't even know what was happening to us. We, I mean, we were on the floor under the glory of God. We got up and we didn't know anything about the gifts. We started praying for each other and we would get words of knowledge. But guess what? We didn't know they were called words of knowledge because we didn't actually believe in that. But we're getting where else. We're like, hey, do you feel a pain in your right? Yes, it's gone. You know, so there was all this stuff happening. How I got tongues is I, I started reading. I was like, wow, look, I got so hungry after those encounters. I was like, man, look, they were praying in other tongues. God, I want tongues. And so I'm sitting there in a, in a praying for someone, getting words of knowledge about physical things. And suddenly I just started praying in tongues. Just really powerful, powerful stuff. God wants to break the box, right? Because you can't put him in a box. And he's never stopped doing these things. And I believe, I really believe this is prophetic. We are going to start to see outpourings in places and churches that we don't expect it. And they don't expect it. They, they haven't even invited it. And God just shows up and begins to do things. Because God wants to empower his people. He wants to empower his church to do the works that he's called them to do. And God can override all of our, the argument of silence. God can override all the different arguments because he loves his people so much. And he wants his people to be empowered. Amen. 
And so watch out, it's gonna begin to happen. I believe we're gonna begin to get reports of God is moving in this church and it's amazing what's happening. And you know what? They didn't even believe in this stuff five minutes ago. That's the kind of things God's gonna do. One of the things that um, I've been doing a lot lately is the Holy Spirit told me, he said, I want you to pay attention to the prayers of Paul. So I'm, I'm just really doing this personal study. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to preach it. I'm just trying to approach it like, okay, God, I want to, I want to hear what you're saying uh, with the prayers of Paul. I want to understand uh, how Paul prayed. And um, Paul prayed these amazing prayers. He, when he prayed, he prayed future reality present in the present. He would pull it in. He would, uh, his prayers were shaping prayers. They would shape the atmosphere and the culture of churches with heaven is what he was doing. Um, he, he, prayed, he prayed prayers in a way that he could see people, even if they had issues, because we know a lot of his letters were correcting issues in the church, but he saw them in heaven's light. And he saw the reality of heaven and how they were seated in heavenly places. And so he was always calling people into an encounter. He was always calling people to line up with heaven, um, not just in their experience, but also in their character, that, that their nature would become his nature. And so he was always calling people into that place for them to align. And so Paul saw the church even in their issues is this powerful people that could, that could bring light into the, into the earth. And I wanna look at one of those prayers. I'm not gonna go super deep into it. I did do a message on this um, like a year ago on Ephesians um, 1, 16. Also did a class on it. Uh, Renee and I are working on a, another class that we're gonna be doing like an eight or 10 week class on Ephesians that you'll be hearing about next year. But I want you to look in Ephesians 1.16. We're going to look just real quickly at this. Um, and I'm going to hit a few more scriptures than I normally hit in a message. I, I really like to focus in one area, but I want you to catch an overview of something that God is saying to us. But in Ephesians 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts, everyone say hearts, enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. So this was a prayer that Paul was praying for them in Ephesians, and it's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that's still living today, and it's still being answered today. I want you to think about how powerful this prayer is. It's being talked about in Austin, Texas in 2000, what is this, 22? Yeah, that's a powerful prayer. And this is not just history. This is something that Paul prayed that is still being worked out and accomplished today. Amen. But he says the spirit, as in the Holy Spirit, that he would give you wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of our heart would what? Be enlightened to know hope, to know the riches of our inheritance, to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. In other words, that this prayer is that we would experience 
the, our future reality, heavenly reality right now. That's what he was praying. And so he was praying an open heaven, a heavenly portal um, over them and over us. That's what he was praying. And these churches that were being planted in the New Testament, they weren't, they weren't religious institutions, right? They, they, they were literally portals of heaven. They were places of encounter where God was expressing himself among a community. And among that community, people were coming in. I mean, 3,000 don't get saved in a day, like happened in the book of Acts, just like that, because of a great program. It was a place of encounter. The Holy Spirit was being poured out. And because of that, people were coming in and they were getting touched by God. And so that's what Paul was planting. And I'm going to give you just a little bit of an overview here. I'm going to move pretty fast through this. But I talked about this about a month ago. The Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 8 says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So he said to the Thessalonians there, he said, The word of the Lord or the echo of heaven, That word there sounded forth was the echo. So the echo of heaven, it has echoed out of you, out into the world, and they, and it's gone forth everywhere. So you see here in 1 Thessalonians that the echo or the, another translation is the thunderclap. The thunderclap of heaven is being released in this, in what was, what is now modern day Greece. Uh, Ephesus, we just looked at the Ephesians. Um, they were a community, according to Ephesians 2.6, 2, uh, seated in heavenly places. And they were being built into a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 2.22. And that would be so powerful that the very manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, according to Ephesians 3.10. So that, that that place, that the church was going to be such a powerful place that literally the manifold wisdom of God was going to be made known to rulers in heavenly places. Amen. And so Paul lays this vision out for this divine supernatural community called the church. And we're a part of that. And he goes on to the Corinthians. He says, for the king, in 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but in power. So that's what he said to the Corinthians. So we've got the Thessalonians, we've got the Ephesians, we've got the Corinthians. Now the Colossians, he says this. He says in verse 3.1, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. He was saying, listen, get your mind here. Get your focus here. You become that portal that I pour through. You become that gateway that I pour through. You become, let my heavens open up over you and get your focus there, not on the things that are below. Really powerful. Then he keeps, you want to keep going? All right, here's what he said, the Philippians um, he says, but our sit in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And I preached on this way back too. But um, he said, our citizenship is in, 
in heaven. Then he goes on to make this upward call that he talks about there. But the translation, the actual translation, when he says citizens in heaven, is that he was saying, you are a colony of heaven. Now that's a powerful one right there. So he said to the Philippians, he said to them, you are actually a colony of heaven. And the Philippians would have understand that because they were like a colony or an outpost of Rome. And so they all would have understood what that meant, that they represented the culture of Rome as a colony. It wasn't, it wasn't a colony like we think of a colony, like it's just way out here somewhere. No, it was, you were this important crossroads. You were this place where Rome was gonna be represented. So when Paul said that to them, they got it really quick. Oh yeah, we're actually a colony of heaven. We represent the culture of heaven. We represent the power of heaven. We're to look like heaven. We're to act like heaven. We're to align our lives with heaven. That's what we're called to be in Philippi. Amen. And then in Jerusalem, I mean, the whole thing, this whole thing started off, guys, in Acts 2, this thing called the church. And there was a rushing wind. There were tongues of fire over people's heads. And Peter preaches his first message. And he had to say, men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Then he goes on to talk about the prophecy of Joel where the Holy Spirit was gonna be poured out. So that's how this whole thing started. I mean, could you imagine that's your first message? Hey guys, listen, I know they're acting crazy here. I know there's some crazy stuff happening, but they are not drunk as you suppose. They were drunk with the Holy Spirit. There was an open heaven over them. There was a gateway. There was a portal that they had stepped into of heaven. Whatever you want to call it, however you want to define that encounter place, that place where we meet with God. Amen. <laughs> so, okay. So th these churches are our model. Remember the guy in the room. What's his model? His model is this. His model is a supernatural church, a New Testament church in operation, what the New Testament church is called to be, and that's never ceased. There is no cessation of his power and his glory. It is the very thing that he wants to bring into this earth. It's the very thing that's needed in this earth. And so collectively, I want you to think of this place. Don't just think of it as, it's not, it's a community, yes, but it's, and yeah, we do social things here and we do all of that. We we build relationships, but the, but the reason we want the, that to be healthy and those relationships to work is so we can be that collective portal of heaven here. So that when we as a people begin to worship, the glory and the power and the presence comes down. And there's something powerful about when we do that together. Amen. And so that is what God has called us to be. He has called us to be a place for his presence he has called us to be a place where the heavens are open, where people can walk into this building among this people and they can literally get wrecked by the presence of God. They can have a tongue of fire experience. Amen. They can have a rushing wind experience. You know, I was in a service one time and I was up there just praying and the Holy Spirit moved across the whole back row and all the women's hair literally blew. They were like, oh my gosh. You remember that, Stacey? That was crazy. That was in Manhattan, New York, up in one of those buildings. I don't even know where, I, don't, I couldn't even take you back to where we were, but it was so awesome what God did. God was moving there. So, so to understand what we're doing here, 
listen, if we just go to church and just go through the motions, I can't think of anything more boring than that. I'm going to go down to 6th Street if that's all it is, right? I used to have a ministry down there, actually. So uh, I did, actually. I had a minute. No. <laughs> no, really. We were telling people about Jesus down there. We were, like, we were down there till 3 a.m. Every, every, yeah. Sixth Street. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was true. Jeff used to go down there. Yeah. But we need to understand God's intention of what he wants to do so that we can jump in and be a part of it. So the corporate experience, it's, Yes, I get blessed, but it's not just for me. It's for something more. It's so that we can be a community, a divine community, uh, a community that is linked together, a community that is inviting the presence of God and that we would see greater levels of his presence than we've ever seen before, than Austin's ever seen before. You know, I'm not aware of any revival, like big revival that ever has hit Austin. I know there's been some moments, but I'm talking when you read revival history, I don't see Austin in it. I believe the future. It's in it. Amen. I believe it is. All right. How about some third heaven encounters? Let's look in 2 Corinthians 2. We're, so just so you know, guys, we're headed towards trances. <laughs> That's where we're going tonight. <laughs> so third heaven encounters. So Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Let me just read it. He says, I must go on boasting. Though there's nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man, which man may not utter. And so um, this is an interesting thing here because Paul is actually speaking about himself in the third person, which is kind of weird when you read it. You're like, Paul, why are you doing that? And if you read commentaries on it, it's it's like everyone tries to explain it. No one really knows. Uh, But they're like, well, you know, he's trying to be humble because he goes on to then explain this thorn in the flesh which you don't want to make a doctrine out of the thorn in the flesh. Paul had some very high revelations and obviously God was doing something specific with him in that regard. People have tried to make a whole thing. Well, the reason I'm sick is because this is just a thorn in the flesh. And well, listen, we're not the apostle Paul. I haven't had this level of revelation. So uh, I, don't need, I don't need a thorn in the flesh, so I won't boast. But Paul had this specific thing but it's interesting he's in the, in the third person. Some people say, okay, yeah, he was just being humble. But I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I mean, if you want to know what I think, and please, you want to know what I think, but please, you can't like, you can't like make this into doctrine. But have you ever had a third heaven encounter? You come out of a third heaven encounter, you might be a little drunk in the spirit, Right? You might talk about yourself in the third person. You come out of that, right? I know a man. It's like, well, no, I am the man. I mean, this is... All right. If that one ends up on YouTube, I'm in trouble. Somebody's going to do something with that. But, hey, listen, 
I think that's a better explanation than a lot of the commentaries have. I mean, he, he was so full of spirit, and he's like, hey, guys, I got to tell you this story here. And, uh, and I believe that. I believe Paul, when he wrote the scriptures, he was having encounters with God. It wasn't just he's writing this stuff. No, he was having encounters. You know, I always think about when he was chained in house arrest to the centurion or to the guard, what that would have been like for the guard. I mean, Paul is, he's talking about himself in the third person. You know, it had to be quite, quite the deal. But he heard things in the third heaven that he couldn't even speak about. He couldn't even speak of these things, what God showed him. These things were so, we don't know what they were, obviously, but they were so amazing, he couldn't even talk about them. He couldn't preach about them. He couldn't make a message around them. They were so powerful. These revelations that he had in the third heaven were so powerful. And so he talks about visions and revelations of the Lord. Again, talking about standing in an open heaven, standing in a portal, interacting and encountering the heavenly realm. And God has called his church into that same place. Amen? And... When we go to Acts 10, let's talk about trances. That's scary. I know that scares some of you guys. Some of you are like, yeah. <laughs> so let's look at it in the scripture, right? Let's look at it in the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about a trance? Well, we see here with Peter. And um, I don't want to go through this whole passage but Acts 10, um, if you start in verse 1, it's the story of Cornelius, the centurion. And it's a really, really powerful story because an angel appears to, to him. And he's a Gentile. He doesn't know Jesus. Um, he's not Jewish. And uh, this angel appears to him, and, he, and the angel tells him that they need to send men uh, to Joppa to find a man named Peter. And so that's how this starts out. And if you fast forward to Joppa, there's this whole story going on here. In verse 9, uh, you, you pick it up where Peter is uh, back in Joppa. It says in verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And it goes on in verse 12, and it says, In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Sounds like a good men's conference yes. in the future, yeah? Right? All right. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the video of the men's conference. I get fired up. It's showing like animals butting into each other and people welding and all that kind of stuff. So this was one of those kind of moments. And Peter was kind of a rough guy, right? I mean, he cut a dude's ear off. When they came to get Jesus, he cuts the ear off. Peter, Peter was a little rough, right? Around the edges. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean, according to Jewish uh, customs. And, and the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. 
And this happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So Peter goes into this trance. He has this vision. And in verse 17, it says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry from si- for Simon's house, stood at the gate, great timing, right? And called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise, go down, and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter, rest of the story as he goes with them, uh, he shares this vision with the household of Cornelius, who were Gentiles. And from the vision, he began to understand that God was calling. He, God said, hey, no person is, is common or unclean. And I want to pour out salvation, not just to the Jew, but I want to pour it out to the Gentiles. So Peter gets this revelation. And as he begins to preach the gospel to them, what happens? The Holy Spirit falls, Right? Falls. So they, it's, it's an open heaven. It's po- Holy Spirit's pouring out. They get saved. And Peter's like, what prevents them from being baptized? And so it wasn't just Cornelius. It was him and his whole household. Probably all the people he even employed, his family, everyone, they all get saved in this place. But it started with an angel. And it started with a trance. And when you look at the word Trance, let's just talk about it. I think it's kind of weird that more trances don't happen in church. If you understand what a New Testament church is supposed to be, and you understand the supernatural heavenly reality that God wants it to be a portal of heaven, it's a little surprising that we don't have more trances. Maybe we're about to. All right? But what's a a trance? The the word that's used there for trance in the Greek is ecstasis. It's where we get the word ecstasy. And it's a, it, if you look at a definition, I'm just going to throw out some words around it. Displacement of the mind, bewilderment, a distraction or disturbance of the mind caused by shock, bewilderment, amazement, a trance. Um, standing out of oneself, being a side of oneself, amazement, astonishment, trance, loss of one's senses, uh, a displacement of the mind from its ordinary state and self-possession. Amazement, again, being wrapped out of your mind. <laughs> Astonishment. The state of being beside oneself or wrapped out of oneself. Uh, that of the person who by some sudden emo- emotion is transported, as it were, out of himself so that in this wrapped condition, although he is awake... And so we see here that I think it's powerful that the word ecstasy, that, we, that that word comes from this in Greek, this word, the same word that was used for trance. And so it is a place where God, you, you come so in contact with heaven that everything else moves out of the way. Even your body is just, it, it can't do anything in that place. Because you are so overwhelmed by God. Your senses are overwhelmed by God. Everything that you are is overwhelmed by God. You are more aware of heaven than the earth. And there are powerful, and so this is the Bible, guys. I didn't, I'm not making it up, right? 
this powerful trance. God, and I, and I realize that word has been used in, out in, you know, it can be used, it depends what's bringing you into this trance. It's been used in, in witchcraft and things like that, but there are Holy Spirit trances, right? Yeah, sure, someone could be connected into something evil in a way that they are completely taken over by that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being overtaken by God. And this is a word that was actually used in the Bible, so we don't need to be afraid of that word, right? Amen, God wants us to be, he wants us to be wrapped out of what we're doing and taken into heavenly realms, Amen. And uh, anybody ever heard of Maria Woodworth Etter? So (laughs) this lady, so she, God called her in the late 1800s. And one, she was a woman. And when she was ministering, she took, it is unbelievable amount of the the stuff that, uh, the tax she got just for being a woman preacher. But on top of that, she, the stuff that happened around her was wild. I mean, there's a whole book that's like this sick called A Diary of Signs and Wonders. And when you read it, it is mind-blowing, actually. I mean, the level of healings, uh, creative miracles, holes filling in, like in front of them. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. But she became known as the trance evangelist. Would you like me to read a little bit to you about her? Are you okay with that? All right. By the early 1880s, reports of the most unusual supernatural manifestations accompanying the ministry of Maria Woodworth Etter were beginning to surface in press reports. It's interesting, like the newspapers begin to report on it. The most prominent of these manifestations what is what was described as the trance state. The condition appears similar to a phenomenon that had surfaced in rural camp meetings about 80 years earlier. Camp meeting, right? Then, however, something akin to the trance experience was evidence and was often termed the falling exercise. (laughs) All right. As the 19th century began, powerful revivals broke out in the rural wilderness in the form of camp meetings. Camp meetings were called that because those who attended who were primarily farm families, came from near and far, bringing their farm wagons and camping in the woods. The sheltering branches protected from the rain, the abundant trees allowed for construction of rough benches of what were called preacher stands. And at Cainridge Camp Meeting, a place known by that name in Kentucky, perhaps as many as 20,000, maybe more, camped under trees in a remote location. This was to hear fiery preaching and praise God day and night. Many of those who attended Cambridge became subject to the falling exercise. <laughs> Do you love that? The phenomenon was nothing new. Countless individuals fell to the ground under the powerful preaching, speaking of before this, of John Wesley and George Whitfield during previous century. Falling might be compared to the modern experience of becoming what is called slain in the spirit, a common experience in charismatic Christian meetings. Were it not for some profound differences, the experiences was often not at all the same. This gets interesting. Those who fall in modern Christian meetings are typically back on their feet within a few short moments. They tend to be easily brought out of their, quote, slain in the spirit state and move back to their seats when convenience so dictates. 
the prostration experiences associated with Mrs. Woodworth's ministry, however, were often radically different and far more powerful. Frequently, they were more akin to what was experienced in some of the early camp meet- meetings, such as Cambridge. There it was said some of the fallen individuals did not appear to breathe. <laughs> they could be picked up and stacked like logs <laughs> without disturbing them. All right. I don't know if they did that, but obviously, let's make some room over here. Let's stack them, stack them, stack them and rack them. We stack chairs. They were stacking people. <laughs> In fact, and I love the descriptions here, those who had succumbed to the falling exercise were often picked up and carried off to a more convenient location where they would be out of the way. In the process, they remained undisturbed and did not emerge from their trance for many hours or perhaps even several days. Oh my gosh. Now this one's funny. I don't know if they tried what I'm about to read. I hope not. And listen, this one you cannot ever try. In Mrs. Woodworth's meeting, some individuals were so affected that they could be pricked by a pin or picked up and carried without disturbing them at all. So I I think they thought they were dead. So let's find out what's happening. Because they couldn't, like, uh, they would be laying there. You couldn't see them breathing. It's like they weren't in their bodies, all right? But we're not going to, don't worry if you're listening to this in here, we're not going to prick anybody with a pen. We don't, we don't believe in that. That's a bad idea. We might pick up and carry somebody, though. Uh, those attending Woodworth's meetings sometimes remain in the trance state for as long as eight days. In some cases, they did not fall at all, but simply became frozen in their tracks. That would be interesting then they might resist all attempts to bring them out of that condition. Oftentimes their eyes were wide open and not a single muscle of their body moved. (laughs) And then it goes on, like observers tried to come up with all kinds of reasons for that. Uh, Bad bad things, you know, all this stuff. Uh, Because these were like reporters that were reporting this stuff. Um, So I'm gonna skip down here, but it says a reporter commented that although opinions differed about the trance state, one thing is sure. It is real. Real or not, people just did not know what to make of it. Another newspaper asked, is it contagious or infectious, epidemic or endemic, good or evil? By the time of Maria Woodworth's early ministry, the falling exercise in trance-like states associated with the early 19th century camp meetings have become all but forgotten by most Christians. Mrs. Woodworth, however, calls public attention once again to be rivet on these types of manifestations. Let me keep going here. Um, the sheer novelty of this created a lot of press coverage, as I was talking about. Uh, huge crowds would come in. And, um, and it says here that once she entered ministry, the experience of entering into trances accompanied by visions seemed to rub off on others, either directly or indirectly. Newspapers quickly began to pick up on the trances associated with Miss Woodsworth. Literally countless articles uh, certainly not all of which have ever been found in modern times. And newspapers across the country commented on the strange woman evangelist and the trances in her meeting. Once she entered ministry, the, um, let's see, in 1884, um, in 1884, newspapers mentioned that she was personally entering a trance almost every meeting. Before long, she was being referred to as Miss Woodsworth, the trance evangelist. Let's have her here. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Occasionally, she, she's not here anymore, obviously. Occasionally, she was given other nicknames, the shouting evangelist and even the electric evangelist. 
That's a good one. Could y'all call me that? All right. Let's go. Scores have been stricken down at these meetings. In whatever form limbs or body chance to assume in that position, immovable as a statue, they remain. Sometimes the hands were uplifted far above the head, the eyes wide open, not a muscle in the entire body move. They were immovable as in death. Many have gone to these meetings in a spirit of jest and were the first to be under the influence of the pervading assembly. That's when it gets real right there, right? The people are wonderfully excited, a neighbor asked a neighbor, asked neighbor what is it? The reference to those who attended our meetings as a spirit of jest, sometimes being among the first to succumb to those manifestations, was echoed in various later articles. One man who interrupted one of Maria Woodworth's meetings to hurl profane accusations at her suddenly found himself inescapable of speaking. When asked by others what happened to him, he answered, go up yourself and find out. Others who came to mock the trances found themselves among the first to fall under what became termed the power. In much earlier era, era, similar experience had met those who came to ridicule the early camp meetings. There it was said individuals who were deriding the camp meeting phenomena often suddenly fell to the ground, in many cases in mid-sentence as though shot by a gun. Individuals frequently entered trance state and saw visions of heaven. So this is what was happening. So when they were in these places, they would come back and with these visions of heaven that they had had. And uh, yeah, one boy asked what it was like to see heaven. Oh, it was lovely. I thought I was taken away up in the air someplace where there was a sweet music all the time. There were angels flying all around had big white wings and had long white gowns. Their faces shone bright and like gold in the middle of them stood Jesus. His face and form were so bright that it would hurt your eyes to look at him. Okay, that's kind of wrecking me a little bit. Way down below, there was a big crowd of people and they seemed to be waiting for the world to come to an end. They looked so bright and happy and the angels seemed to be so, so glad all the time. I want to see it again. Did you know where you were all the time, a reporter asked. Oh, yes. People kept punching against me as I lay there. And, of course, that broke the thing once in a while. But it was just grand while it lasted. (laughs) Occasionally, the individuals in Woodworth, St. Louis, would be seen making climbing motions as as though to climb an invisible ladder, kind of like Jacob's ladder. So you can go get a diary of signs and wonders if you want more of that. But these powerful encounters, a place where you encounter God. And, you know, I can honestly say I spent most of 1993 through 95 in an encounter with God. I mean, an encounter. And I was so hungry. I was so hungry. I was so hungry for God. Yeah, hours and hours in the presence of God. Hours and hours just laying under his power. Hours and hours and hours. Every time I would go to church, for literally for like two years, two or three years, and I had them when I was alone, but when I would go to church, almost from the first song, I would be, guys, I would be up at the front 
Not because the front was special. I was just so hungry. I'd be up at the front before the worship started. I was going into an encounter on the front of the church before any worship ever started. That, I was so hungry. I wasn't waiting for anybody to, to welcome. I wasn't waiting for the worship team. I wasn't waiting for music. I just wanted God. And so I'd go and you know what? God met me every single time. And those encounters would last, listen guys, sometimes five hours. We had long services. We had like three hour services. But when the service was over, I would often just still be there with God. They finally gave me a key and said, when it, you know, just whenever you want to leave. They didn't stack me up like they did in, in those meetings. But why? Why was that happening to me? Because I was so hungry. Listen, this is not something that just, just I mean, there are sovereign times God begins to move on your heart and life. I don't want to say that doesn't happen. But we don't have to wait for that, actually. There's actually an open heaven already over us. God has called his people, he has called the church to be a portal into heaven, to be a place where we come with open heart and encounter God and people literally get changed by God. And I believe that God wants us to have encounters that don't just last a few minutes or a few seconds, but encounters that we literally cannot move out of. We are so enraptured with, with heaven and so enraptured with Jesus that we can't just move out of that encounter very easily. That's the kind of encounter God wants to give to us. And I can tell you how you get there is your hunger. Are we hungry? You know, I think about this. We, the, our, genera- our attention span is so short. They say it's seconds, even as adults, like what, 30 seconds. I don't, I, you don't quote me on that. Kids are even less. We want it so quick. We want things so quick. We, we want to move on to the next thing. But there are encounters that Jesus wants to give us where we can't just move on to the next thing. And it's not something that you can make happen, but it is something that if you are hungry enough, you can step into it. Amen? Because God meets us at our hunger. Why don't we stand up? Worship team, why don't you guys come back up? And I want to just take a few moments here to open up our hearts. And I know we've been here a long time tonight, but how hungry are you? Is there anyone here that as I've been speaking, hunger is being generated inside of your heart? That you don't just want to go to church. You don't want to just attend, but you want to encounter God at a level that you have never encountered him at before. There are levels. Listen, I have had encounters that they're mind-blowing. Some of the things that I saw when I was down on that floor. We saw amazing things. We saw God do amazing things. A few years ago, I had an encounter in Germany. Jeff and Eddie and Joaquin were there and the Giddens were there. And I had an encounter that was so powerful. I, I don't know what else happened in that service. I was very slightly aware that I was even in Germany. And that encounter was so powerful because here's the thing. God doesn't just take you there. God wants to show you things. And one of the things that he showed me in that encounter in that encounter is when we go in an encounter, he wants me to bring something back from that realm to give to others. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.